Screen Speak. It is the podcast that is all about movies, life, and so much more. It's me, Jordan Anderson, the same guy that's been running the podcast the whole time, but I'm doing it again. And this time I have with me once again, Bruce. He's back. You probably last remember him from, I believe, uh, yeah, Tremors, not Tremors 2. For some reason, I thought Tremors 2, but Tremors 1. We talked about that and then the Batman, I think, previously. Welcome back, sir. Hey, thank you for having me. What's been new with you before we get into this crazy ass movie known as Starship Troopers? Not much. Uh, getting ready to uh, enter my senior year of university, and then I'm done. Is that? Uh, are you starting like when I guess like the traditional school season starts, like mid to late August? Yep, uh, so twenty-two that's, August. That's very. That's very soon. It is very soon. Are you going to be busier? Well, I was going to say, are you going to be busy as hell? Like, Not I mean, really, I, man. Uh, I have a lot of writing classes, which are usually very easy for me. It's the other stuff that's a pain in the ass. But Such as? Uh, the, uh, the business side of, uh, <clears throat> like, I do have one non-org uh, business management course in my senior year that I'm not really looking forward to. That's the kind of, you know, right. you know, doc- doctors don't sign up to be... Uh, paperwork pushers but it's part of the job as well so they don't get sued yep that makes sense not that that's a complete correlation but yeah the management side of it it's just like you know people that want to be cops uh that you know they have that line in the the departed where it's just like you want to you know you want to be a cop or you want to you know you want to appear to be a cop like you know do all the the flashy parts of the job right exactly yeah um no, that's cool. Um, I, I'll be I'll be curious to see how your senior year goes, and I you're still working on some shorts, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, When's your next one planned? Oh, I'm gonna save it for course coursework, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it actually count for something. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because yeah, I'm sure you could like do them in your spare time, but then they don't really you don't get like extra credit, I suppose. Nah, definitely not. Okay, so I'm ready to talk about this movie, Starship Troopers, which uh, this was your suggestion. Uh, So why don't you tell me why you suggested it first off? Now, keep in mind, let's put some context around this, that I hadn't seen it since around its release. I was in high school at the time. Okay. 20 plus years ago. And when we sat down and watched Tremors, I just felt like it reminded me. It sort of inferred, because I hadn't seen Tremors. And the closest mm-hmm. thing I can think of it was uh, Starship Troopers. I feel like there's some connective tissue there. Makes sense. I mean, they are both, uh, I mean, you could definitely say B-movies uh, because they have big monsters. Uh, science fiction, actually, to an extent. Uh, obviously, Starship Troopers more because it's like set in space and there's the bug planet and everything like that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I could definitely see the connection there for sure. Now... Is is Starship Troopers a movie that, like, when you first watched it, like, you fell in love with it and, like, you you appreciated its charm? Or were you like, this is just a big, stupid, silly bug movie, and then only later did it, like, did you kind of fall into, like, the cult following of it? Well, I can't say I fell into the cult following, because, again, I haven't seen it in 20 years until now. Mm-hmm. But uh, <clears throat> I just remember it as being just this fun, silly B-movie. Yeah. I mean, that that's pretty much what it is. Uh, directed by the great Paul Ver... Uh, I, I never say his name right. Paul Verho- Verhoeven? Verhoeven. Yeah, because he's like... He's French, he's isn't Dutch. He? Or he's Dutch. Dutch. 
Okay, yeah. I knew he wasn't American by any means, so I was like, I, I, I'll just call him Paul. I can't pronounce his last name to save my life. <laughs> that's, that's um, <clears throat> but now, so for for people that haven't seen this movie, uh, it, it did come out in 1997. I'm just going to rattle off the synopsis here quick, just in the off chance that you haven't heard of it, uh, because I would I would still say this movie holds cult status. It's not, you know, like I feel like you're in the movies and like you like you know, uh, B movies, especially you'll know it, but if you're just like general mass population, you might not know what this is. Uh, so this is the official synopsis according to Google. So we got in the distant future, the earth is at war with a race of giant alien insects. Little is known about the bugs, except that they are intent on the eradication of all human life and also apparently like to suck on their brains. Uh, but there was a time before the war, a mobile infantry, uh, yeah, a mobile infantry travels to distant alien planets to take the war to the bugs. They are a ruthless enemy with only one mission, survival of their species, no matter what the cost. Did you like, I'm just looking at this too. It says this movie had a million, uh, had a hundred and five million dollar budget. hundred and five. I would assume at that time that was pretty significant. I mean, I, I feel like it is. I mean, maybe not today for like a movie like this, but I feel like that's a pretty big price tag. And some people like, I think, shit on the special effects of this movie. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. But yeah, don't, don't you what... think that special effects are intentionally bad? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Because the movie's like also supposed to be, it's, it's one of the points I was going to bring up. Like the movie's supposed to be very satirical, I think, or at least that's it's... the vibe I got from it. Um, I think reading any interview, and this is true of Verhoeven throughout his career, not just this film, mm -hmm. but uh, whether it's RoboCop and like his future vision of how the police force was going to be utilized, uh, Starship Troopers, I feel like mm -hmm. this is about how fascism starts. And okay. then um, I don't know if you've seen Benedetta, his last film. Uh, that no, one, I have not. It's a very satirical take on modernism and religion and how religion kind of starts. So mm, interesting. I think he has a track record of just being like, hey, here, let's put up a mirror on this one aspect of our culture and like really examine it and parse it out. Makes sense. Um, and, and we'll and we'll get to that in a second. But bef before we do, I was just curious. I'm assuming you knew this was based off a book. Yeah. Did you know anything about the book? Have you read the book? Well, I've never read the book and I'm never going to. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't want to get too. We're going to have to get into politics because of this movie. Uh, I kind of the, the film. I kind of figured that <laughs> the book was written by like a Republican who believed like in this sort of, uh, you know, there's a there's a line in this film that's from the book as well, where it's like you could be a civilian or you could be a citizen. So this idea that. You know, like to be a military true... service obligation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To yeah. be a true citizen, you need to like buy into like the government's, you know, mottos and like really serve your country. So, and yeah. I don't. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to comment um, in, in doing my research and, and prep for this for this movie. I, I was reading some other reviews and uh, and, and Roger Ebert, the famed critic, he had mm -hmm. a nice line in his review where he was saying how the author writes as if he's like an 11 year old boy, you know, playing with action figures for the first time and just like boom, boom and bang, bang, bang. And like it, it's not very like like he was kind of hard on him saying that he's not like the most like 
articulate, you know, Artur uh, of an author. You know, he just kind of, you know, makes big explosions in his books and things like that. And he also mentioned the point you made about the the pretty kind of narrow-minded political side of it, where it's like that's you're, you're not really open up to, like, maybe more... Uh, I'm not going to say this correctly, but more uh, nuanced, yes. nuanced view of like your quote unquote opposition. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think I would ever go and read the book though. I'm sure it would be interesting uh, just cause I, I think anytime there's a movie that has, that's based off a book, it's interesting to do a comparison and to see like what translated over what got left out. Uh, but for a movie like this, I, I, I think I appreciated that, that uh, Paul, uh, brought his, I th- I definitely think he brought his style to the movie. I mean, it felt like one of his films. At least that's that's my my take on it. Oh, I agree one hundred percent. No, it, it totally fits into his filmography. And it has the over the top, uh, over the top violence, the kind of crappy makeup effects that he likes in his movies sometimes. But it, it totally fits with the campiness of the whole thing. Uh, at least I felt that way. And he's really um, good at casting just beautiful people. And I mean, yes. <laughs> and I'm including the male lead on that. Like he, I don't Dude, know. He's got a that sick guy. jawline. That, yeah. that Casper that was a Casper Van Dean. Is that what his yeah, name yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah. That guy, he has the chisel jawline. It's he, he looks solid in that movie. He looks like Superman. He does. <laughs> did he ever get offered the part? I don't think he ever did. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I guess my curiosity with him is what happened to his career because I thought he did an excellent job in this film. Yeah, yeah, no, I I have not seen a bunch of him. He he actually he was on a podcast that I listened to. Uh, do you know the Schmoes? No, like uh, like Christian Harloff and Mark Ellis. They're they're based out of California. They're both comedians. They do like a entertainment correspondence and talk movies. Uh, they do a lot of different things. But they had him on like a while back, and I can't remember what the hell he was on for. But I, I think he's still working. Like I think he gets steady work. He's just not not mainstream, you know. Yeah, yeah. But it'd be interesting. Um, so I'm curious because I, I this is the subject I really wanted to get into with this was the the propaganda aspect of it because that was something I noticed like kind of right from the get go is like they they open even with like that super cheesy like you know. Yeah, you can make a difference. You can do it. Enlist today. Yeah. You know, painting the military into something that it's not. Um, I don't know if, you know, if the movie's trying to say something about that necessarily right from the get-go. But as someone, if it's okay, I can say yeah. that you were in the services at one point. Yep. Um, what do you think on the subject of just military propaganda and what this movie was saying about it? Well, this is the most interesting part of the film for me. Because I saw it, it came out in 97, I saw it around that time, I joined in 2001, September 11th happened while I was in boot camp. Okay. And it's funny that this movie predates September 11th, and that it speaks to it so much. Uh, And Verhoeven, again, just has this track record of doing this, uh, whether it's Robocop or this, Mm -hmm. or Total Recall. yeah, just the fact that he was able to predict the sort of bifurcation of the media. Now, what does like, that mean? What does that mean? Well, we only have two political sides now. Like, not that we did it before, but like, it's, right. it's, it's just getting worse, right? We're getting more distance from each other. We're not able to speak to the middle much anymore. 
which is how Trump came into power because we're mm-hmm. just, everything is just so politicized. Like we can't talk about anything in this country without it being on one side or the other. You got to wear the jersey. You're yeah. either a Man City fan or you're a Liverpool fan or you're a Yankees or a Red Sox. It doesn't matter. Like, and it doesn't matter what your side says or does. You have to stand by it. Like that's just where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this that sort of I think that began and became more harsh and divided lines over September 11th and a rhetoric around September 11th and how to respond to it and whether we should go into Iraq, whether we should go into Afghanistan. And we just become more and more divided as a country. And I think that this film speaks to that, even though it wasn't intending to do so because it predates Mm -hmm. September 11th by five years. So it's just so ahead of its time. Like, like you're either with us or against us. Bush said that after September 11th, like yeah. when he was deciding to infiltrate Iraq, like you're with us or you're against us or you're with the enemy, like that yeah, kind of it, like pretty black and white terms. Yeah. And simplifying the narrative as much as possible for your own benefit. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So this movie really speaks to that. And, and I don't think it's on the side of any of its uh, characters as far as the politics are concerned. I think tonally he's making a, I think it's pretty definitive by the tone of the film that he's poking fun at this. Now, poke, how would you say he's poking fun at it? Like, Oh, just how simple-minded everyone is about everything. And like, yeah. the, there's just something about the tone from the beginning to the end. Like you said, the way the film opens, like, yeah. it's just like, oh, look at this. Look at how, like, patriotism is masturbation. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just <laughs> sort of like... It's yeah. a little bit too much. It's a little bit over the top, like, and it's presented mm-hmm. that way in the film. I would agree with that, especially when you see that a lot of their military strategy behind uh, fighting the bugs is mostly just get the biggest gun possible and spray as many rounds into it as aggressively as possible and like go America. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got that kind of energy behind it, and it's like there's no other strategy it's like no just big macho let's go in and just waste everything or at least you know that's uh on the surface that's the case yeah um i think neil patrick harris character is really interesting well because he's the psychic of the movie yeah 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 (laughs) yeah yeah the psychic of the movie but he actually uses you know our main characters as pawns in his own game to Mm -hmm. beat the main to beat the big boss or whatever like yeah 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 yeah. that makes sense and i don't think that's any different than what we did with our troops i i mean i'm not gonna comment on whether it was necessary or not that's not of like going into like iraq and all like all that no actually i'm going further back than that like with Mm. the the normandy invasion oh wow and and knowing that we're gonna lose like a a huge percentage of our forces to this one invasion but Mm -hmm. that it was necessary to break the lines right so, and Neil Patrick Harris kind of comments on that. Like, they know that he used them. Mm-hmm. The main character knows that he was used by Neil Patrick Harris as a pawn. So, like, as a strategy yeah. to get in and infiltrate the enemy and get to the big bad and understand how he ticks. That is actually a really interesting thought behind just like the military propaganda side. Cause I, now I'm not somebody that's enlisted, but I still have all the respect in the world for people that, that do. And, you know, they have their reasons for doing it. But I, I've seen like movies like uh, 
you know, like Jarhead. That's just one that comes to mind where they're, you know, the grunts are kind of talking about like, well, I don't know if this is right or not. And like some of like the kind of more like, you know, real gorilla, just like we just want combat. We don't give a shit. They're just like, ah, who cares? It's like some politicians war or whatever. I just get to shoot some shit, whatever. Who cares? But I, I've always been interested that there is still, I think, a number of people that, like you said, they enlist for sort of like that this vision they have of patriotism and and them doing right by their country but it's like they don't even really question what they're doing like they they just kind of do it because they're like ah it's for the greater good or ah like it'll look good or you know whatever i'll get to travel like i i don't know if they're always doing it for you know the reasons that they should be but that's again that's just my perspective i have no idea i'm not in the military so i don't know <laughs> yeah i think it's complex uh yeah of course and- it is as someone that spent 20 years in the Air Force, like, it's rare that you speak to someone that has, like, one single reason for joining the service and serving. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, humans are complex, right? Uh, and with this film, he's not trying to com- present you with complex characters. He's presenting you with, you know, how he sees it. Um, like, and it's mostly, the, the satirical stuff is mostly aimed at the people at the top it's not aimed at the soldiers on the ground yeah that's true so and and that's no different than how it is in real life honestly like you should never question a soldier's motivation like they're just trying to serve their country it's how they're used yeah and that's i mean that that's actually a better way to put it because like you said they're not necessarily going in with like you know, bad intentions. They're not trying to do anything bad. They're trying to, you know, do right and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, protect the country and do what they think they need to do. But yes, it is a bit of a problem. And historically speaking, I'm sure there's patterns where you could point to this and be like, oh yeah, it's been done time and time again, where, like you said, a person at the top, that's not on the front lines. They're not there. They don't give no. a shit. Like, they're yeah, just like, yeah. whatever. Like we throw enough, you know, basically meat bags at this thing, whatever, like, you exactly. know, it'll make a dent. That's not good. Exactly. <laughs> Meat bags is exactly how you should describe this film. <laughs> uh, especially in the one part where, like, uh, don't they say, like, what is it, like, a th- hundred thousand die? Like, they're, yeah, just, yeah, they're yeah. just dead. Yeah, yeah, they're just gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. eradicated. Uh, yeah. And the uh, solution to every problem is to just shoot more bullets, which is not effective in this movie. No. But that's part of the joke as well, right? <laughs> Well, that's part of the satire of it, which I think satire just on that subject, it's it's tricky for a movie to pull it off. Well, uh, at least in my opinion, I mean, I I actually like this. I'm going to sound like an idiot. I had to like look up like the actual meaning just to get the exact correct definition of this. Uh, According to what I have, it's just saying that satire is the use of humor, irony, exaggeration or ridicule to expose or criticize people's stupidity of vices particularly in the context of contemporary politics and other topical issues. Perfect. And I'm like, that's, that's pretty well said. Yeah. Um, but what did you think of the use of satire in this movie? Oh, totally. It's incredible. Like, I, I don't think that it wavers. I don't think that he misses a beat, but that's just my opinion. I, I don't know. How did you feel about it? I liked it. Um, I, I definitely liked it because there, there's some dark humor uh in this movie for me anyway and i i'm a person that likes their dark humor so i enjoy seeing it when it's done right um i don't think this movie does shy away from like you said kind of pointing to the top of 
the decision making tree, <laughs> so to speak, uh, for like how these how these conflicts get decided upon and like who's, you know, ultimately presses the orders for that. I, I think the movie was interesting about that. Um, but I also, you know, I, I like the characters. I mean, like it's it's a pretty good cast. I was looking at the cast of this movie too. I mean, well, Denise Richards, you could argue her acting's pretty terrible, but um, she smiles a lot. I noticed, like, that was a thing. I'm like, she's always smiling in, like, so many of these scenes, and I can't figure out why. She's so um, beautiful, I can't even, like, knock her for her. Uh. <laughs> no, dude, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, as an adolescent young man, not in in this movie, but, like, uh, what is it? The World Is Not Enough, when she plays Christmas Jones or whatever, I was like, damn. <laughs> you know, she, she was, yeah, she was, uh, well, I'll just say she was in her prime uh at yeah, that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. um but I no, think I, she does i think she serves the purpose she's supposed to serve in this film i don't think she's necessarily it's sort of like when pt anderson uses uh adam sandler in a film like it's mm-hmm. not about adam sandler it's about <clears throat> the context around the actor and that filmmaker being at the top of his game right so i think verhoven like he knows what he's doing when he casts these people like mm-hmm. Casper, what's his name? Casper Van. Yeah, Casper Van Van Dien. Yeah. I mean, we're we're talking about this is the biggest film of that dude's career, as far as I know. I think but, so. And it, it it was just a movie built around like Verhoeven knows what he's doing. Like everyone's cast really well. So no, like whether sorry, they're, whether they're not they're not delivering like Tom Cruise and Magnolia performances or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But they serve what the purpose they're supposed to serve. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I think in a movie like this, uh, you know, the cast is, I mean, they're not meant to like give out like Oscar worthy performances. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that a movie that's not delivering Oscar needs to like, you know, settle for less or something like that. But the movie as a whole is definitely trying to serve a larger purpose. It's not just focused. Like, it's not like a deep character study. You know, it's not, no. it's not nothing like that. I mean, there's, there's actually, there's an ensemble of a lot of good character actors in this movie. Um, you know, Michael Ironside, he he was with, uh, you know, Paul Verhoeven, uh, Verhoeven Jesus, on Total Recall. Um, yeah. I also liked, uh, yeah, I did like Neil Patrick Harris, and I don't actually like him in a lot of movies, but that's just, like, I don't know, something about him just doesn't always work for me. But that, that <laughs> like, I'm subjective to it. I don't judge him for it. It's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. that's just my take on it. Um, I love Clancy Brown. I don't think that guy gets enough appreciation. Um, he's like the, what is he like the drill sergeant, like in the yep. movie that kind of puts him through boot camp. Mm-hmm. I noticed that Amy smart is in the movie briefly. I, I don't think she's in it very long. Uh, and then of course you got the Busey family tree, Jake Busey, <laughs> son of the late, yeah. I was about to say Gary Busey's dead, but no, Gary Busey is still very much alive. Um, but I, I liked a lot of the cast in the movie. I mean, they were fun. I can't deny that the cast in the movie is fun to watch, and and I think they enjoyed making the movie. I think that's clear, and I do yeah, enjoy yeah. that the they they get sprayed up with the bug blood like often, and it's just it's just dripping yeah, everywhere yeah. on them. Um, but I noticed also like when watching the movie that it took them a while actually before they really like got into the real bug shooting part. Like a good hour of the movie spent on them basically preparing to go off world and as you know bruce i love my hypotheticals on the podcast and i'm just i'm just thinking like if you yourself you know there's a bug invasion or something going on how would you prepare what would you do to go off world 
And would you go off world to go shoot shoot some big ass bugs? Well, we have a precedent for this, right? Because <laughs> I did join when September 11th happened, and I did serve. Uh, I was 18, and I didn't have any perspective, and I thought I was doing the right thing. But uh, my life has already been written, and as far as that regard is concerned, so we know what I would have done. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But like yeah. you. I don't think you did it though. Obviously, I don't think you saw like some patriotic ad to like make you go do it. Right. No. I mean, you probably saw the events and were just pretty much outraged. No, as, my like, grandfather's uh, one grandfather was a Marine and was one was an Army Ranger. So I just come from like a history of serving. Right. And I felt like it was something I had to do. I mean, you. I mean, you, it sounds like you're glad you did it. I mean, yeah, no, I don't yeah. think you're. You know, you're not. You you won't be who you are without the experiences that you had. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. And you know, <clears throat> again, like the military is not okay. Even if you don't agree with like the wars that we've been in the last twenty years, not everything we do is bad. So when I was in Japan, uh, there was a tsunami that hit. Japan and then there was a tsunami that hit Indonesia and we helped serve both of those functions like we helped deliver food drop off food from planes like we have a humanitarian side as well mm -hmm. now now you could argue <laughs> it's sort of like when missionaries go out to like feed the poor right there's a motivation right so maybe there's that like I don't want to be completely naive right <clears throat> we, we do some good things uh, there's some things I feel good about during my service, my years served. I, w I mean, shit, I think that's good. I mean, you even talked about military does humanitarian stuff. I mean, they're not literally just there to be like the Starship Troopers and just go blast everything, especially <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. And in fact, that's probably less and less because there's all these drone strikes now, which uh, totally unrelated. But did you see that that, uh, that yep. guy got blasted in half from Al-Qaeda yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Yep. I, don't know, I don't know all the details for that, but I, I mean, I guess that's Drone probably, strike, CIA. Oh, a CIA drone strike. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's crazy. I, I need to find a movie to talk about drone strikes because I have a lot of thoughts on those. But <laughs> there's some good ones. Uh, I, there's one with, uh, I haven't seen it. It's with Ethan Hawke. It's an independent movie. I think Alan Rickman even has a, like, a brief part in it before he passed away. But I can't think of what the hell the name is. I know it's written by the guy who did like Gattaca and Lord of War, Andrew Nicole. If I'm saying his name right, but I can't. I think it's just called Good Kill. I think that's actually the name of it, but I haven't seen it. That's interesting. I haven't either. Anyways, I have something else I wanted to bring up on here. Um, you know, you brought up Denise Richards and her being well, nice looking. Uh, that's the way I'll put it. Uh, they fight over her a lot. You know, there, there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of fighting over her, and I'm just thinking like. I'm trying, I mean, I'm not going to like bring up like my wife in this or anything like that, but I'm trying to think like, I've never been like in a fight over a woman with like another male that I am, you know, threatened by or anything like that. But I was just curious about like you, like, have you ever had to fight for a woman from another dude? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, but would you do it if it was Denise Richards? I cannot answer. I'm going to have to plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> it's just a movie, fifth. man. I played the fifth, sir. I don't know. That's a smart response. I, I, and, you know, that actually makes me ask, does your wife, does she listen to the podcast? She might. I don't want to take any chances. You never know. 
I feel like we, I'm answering the question without answering the question. Yeah, it was funny. We uh, have you seen Parks and Rec? I have. Yeah. Ron Swanson has an episode where uh, like he's saying he's just like he's like the only witness I like to be is a hostile witness. So he's like I'll just intend on answering every question with a question. <laughs> so the question is, would you? Okay. <laughs> Uh, no, I didn't think I'd get a response from you out of that, but I'll tell you right now because Isola, I'm sorry, Isola, saying your name, they don't care. Um, I've never fought over a woman. Uh, Denise Richards would certainly make the case, probably because of reasons. Um, but I don't know. I thought I thought the reasons of them fighting over the woman, like fighting over her, like they're valid. You know, she she enlisted when went into a separate route for her training, like you know. He couldn't, uh, the main guy, Casper, he, could, he was too, like, dumb to qualify, right? Isn't that, like, the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they kind of set that up with the Neil Patrick Harris uh, card game thing. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. It's not that's supposed right. to be very bright. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I don't want to give short shift to uh, the character Dizzy Flores. She's gorgeous as well. That's, treat- uh... That's the one that's like, I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say like, oh, that's the one that's like trying to jump all over Casper Van Dien like throughout yeah. the whole movie. But yeah, she she wanted him bad. That's for sure. Yeah, and the movie treats her like a consolation prize and she is far from it. How so? She's beautiful. I mean, she is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why is Denise Richards getting all the love here? Dina <laughs> Meyer is gorgeous. Is that the actress's name? I, I, I need to yeah. look her up here. And, oh, know, yeah. But I, I see her right here. Yeah, she still looks good right now. I shouldn't say too much. <laughs> but, and as, um, as previously stated, you know, to keep the sexes equal, Casper Van Dien is a good-looking son of a bitch, too. So. That's, dude, that's true. That's a very good point. I also noticed when watching this movie, they have a... I don't remember when it is in the movie. They have co-ed showers. Just they like, do. Oh. I'm like, yeah. that's interesting. I don't think that would work, like, at all. But <laughs> Well, that's another way... <laughs> of, uh, Verhoeven like looking into the future somewhat with like trans people being allowed to serve in the military oh. and Trump, Trump deciding no nah, that's not right and then without talking to anyone in the chain of command overnight saying that trans people could no longer serve even though they were already in yeah I what happened after that I don't know I think somebody in the you know, upper military echelon, the brass, like, told him, hey, man, calm the fuck down. They're already here, dude. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say... One thing I noticed like, about the military brass during Trump's four years is that he would get ignored a lot. Like, you know. Yeah. I I need the... I don't really know a ton about, like, how he interacted with the military. Though, of course, if you hear him, I mean, he's the best at everything. There's he, no military brass that really like him. I can tell you that. None that I, <laughs> none that I recall... Uh, even the Marine, the guy that was uh, in charge of the Marine Corps, and I'm forgetting his name right now, and I shouldn't. Sorry about that. But uh, he stepped down during Trump's presidency, and this is a guy who considers himself a Republican. Oh, so, yeah. So like, he's like defecting. Yeah, he quit. <laughs> Four-star general in the Marine Corps quit. It's not that. I don't know why Like the name's coming to me like that Michael Flynn guy, but that's definitely not him, I don't think. No, that's not him. I think that was the guy in charge of the CIA. Yes, I think you're correct on that. Um, okay, so back to Starship Troopers here. So what are just your thoughts on the bugs? I mean, I mean everything from like the effects, like their anatomy, to like how badly they exploded, them sucking on brain. 
I thought it all worked, man. I thought it all stood up. Like, usually, okay, for Tremors, for example, I remember saying during the podcast, like, I didn't think the special effects held up very well. And they wouldn't, right? It's been 30-plus years. Right. But in this case, I don't know. I felt like they had, they stood up relatively well. I mean... I thought they did. Yeah. I mean, it's clear it's from 20 years ago, but even still, like, I thought it looked pretty good. I thought so. I liked uh, the excessive amount of blood from them. Uh, I did like how they eventually, st- I mean, cause at first, like they kind of just seemed like, like just like a big wave of stuff to get shot at. Um, but then eventually, you know, they start introducing like different types of them. They have the soldier ones they have. I think there's a few that fly, I think yep. in the movie. And, you know, of course they have like the fucking the big... terrifying by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dude, I was going to say, I can already tell you right now, I mean, if you don't know me well enough, Bruce, on the subject of bugs, I am a baby around bugs. I don't like them. Like, we have right... Dude, we have right now, like, these, uh, you know, like, cicada killers? They're supposed to be harmless, but they look freaking huge. And so, like, I, like, as I'm, like, going out of my condo, like, I, like, run past them to, like, avoid, like, getting stinged, or, like, if, like, they're there, I'll just, like, stay in the entryway and not come out, because I literally am a baby about bugs. So I say that because my ass would not enlist to go on world. <laughs> Hell no. I, I, I don't care how much military propaganda is there. I'm like, I see bug. I'm like, no, nope, someone else is going to deal with that. Well, what you want is the Neil Patrick Harris role. Oh, actually, just, yeah, that makes sense. You lead from the back. <laughs> yeah. If I if I can use my big brain powers, that would that would certainly help because then I don't have to be on the front line. Because the second one of those things comes close to me, I'm running. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't gonna be brave. I would I argue know. a lot of them should have ran when they didn't. Yeah, they kind of. I don't know. Like, why do you think that is? Like, why? Like, they just like want to be tough. You know, like they're just trying to. Well, they're just not trying to put as many bullets in them as they can <clears throat> before you know they get annihilated. Mm, yeah, that's true. But even um, though the bullets were completely ineffective. <clears throat> did you ever watch any of the the follow-up sequels to the movie? Because there's I like not, it's gone like the Tremors route, I've noticed. There's like three it or did. four of them now. It did. No, no, I didn't. Yeah, I I don't know. I want to talk I, okay, I want to talk a little bit more about the the military propaganda side, like the political stuff. I know you have some more thoughts on that. Uh I mean, what do you think about the ending? What do you think he's trying to say? Mm, well, it's sort of... It's a little ambiguous, of course, because the Ooh, war is still... <laughs> I mean, I know. The war is still going, yeah. obviously. So it's unresolved. A lot of people died. Um, wow. So I don't really think you could say, even say, like, the people were victorious, even though, you know, like, the, the main cast of characters, they... You know, they live, but well, actually, no, I, I'm trying to think they don't all live at the who the hell dies at the at the end. Sorry, like my my brain has been uh, the other pilot that uh, Denise Richards was being fought over with. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know, man. What did you think it, that it was trying to say? Oh, uh, for me, it was like a really fine point on like, OK, Fascism has arrived. Here's where we are. And this is how it started. And this is how it evolved. And now we're here. And now nothing be, will be questioned anymore. Like, you know what I mean? I, 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 that was my take on it. I don't know. Maybe other people have different reads. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we don't watch films in a vacuum. And because I know so much about Verhoeven and his politics, like what are his politics? I have no idea. Oh, well, okay. For one, they were talking about remaking this film during the Trump era. And he was like, don't do it. Uh, I've heard that they're remaking it. These are his quotes roughly, Mm -hmm. but he was like, I heard they're remaking it. Um, and I heard they want to go back to closer to the book. And he was like, I think if you do that right now, it's just going to like, you know, what's the word? You're just going to encourage the bastards. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just going to be he basically said it's just going to be Trump propaganda. And he said he inferred Trump. Mm. So, like, he did not he did not want his movie to be remade at that moment. Uh, yeah. No, I, I uh, yeah, I could see that. I mean, without reading infers, the book. Yeah. And that infers to me, like. That puts a fine point on the ending of the film for me. Like, okay, he's basically making a point about fascism and, you know, the the military state as it is. And like, okay, maybe it began for the right reasons, but now we're here. And now who's going to question this shit? You know what I mean? Like, who's going to who's gonna be the resistance? And I don't mean that in a uh, take them down way. Just like, mm-hmm. who's going to question the leaders and, and hold them accountable? Like that kind of thing. I, I okay. I got a question for you on the subject of accountability. Um, just like in my own private circles, the the discussions actually come up just like on a number of different other subjects. And I find that when I start to talk with a number of people about it, they don't always know how to define what accountability actually looks like. Because like people love to say it, and I'm not saying that you're just saying it for the sake of saying it, but like if you're taking, I'm sorry, taking a look at like the political leaders and and who holds them accountable. I mean, what does that look like to you? Well, for one, I don't think any one person has all the answers. No, I, I would also say that's true. And anyone presenting themselves as having all the answers, we need to question even more. Yeah. Anyone else. Being I'm too not, certain about something's kind of, uh, it's a little scary. I don't want to infer uh, what I'm <clears throat> speaking about there. But you mm-hmm. can make an assumption based on the discussion we've had so far. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I just I feel like I trust human beings more when they're less confident mm-hmm. than when they're overly confident, if that makes sense. Um, it does. And I just think good leaders and good not managers, good leaders, mm-hmm. they are they listen to the panel that they instilled. Um you need to put people around you that you trust. So you need to put people in place like the way the Canadian government does it and the British government does it, where it's like, OK, we elected a leader. Now that leader is going to form their cabinet, uh, you know, a group of people that they trust. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're going to go unquestioned. Uh, ideally, that leader would put people in his panel that will question him, that mm-hmm. will, you know. They're not just yes men or women. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Like. <clears throat> Those are the best leaders, the people that, you know, they intentionally want people around them that are going to ask them tough questions that Mm -hmm. they may or may not have answers to, but that they're willing to find the answers from someone else and give that person credit for it. Those are leaders. So, you know, after the last four years, where does that leave us? You know what I mean? Like where we don't question authority anymore. That's not good. And it's not about, again, it's not about taking authority out of power per se it's it's more about being allowed a seat at the table being allowed to ask tough questions Mm -hmm. and get a response 
because that's what we deserve. Yeah, I I think that definitely makes sense. Um, I think there's a lot of people, especially nowadays, it's, it's probably been like the case all all the time, but um, especially nowadays, like there's people that are even afraid to ask the questions because of repercussion or not being taken seriously or getting fired or canceled and, you know, everything like that. And yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if we're just talking on this subject, I, I want people to feel comfortable to ask those tough questions and it doesn't mean they need to be punished for asking it. It's good because oh, yeah. anybody that's level headed enough or understands the intent behind it is going to know this person's not asking to try to sabotage. They're asking because they want to know that we've considered all possible options, you know, to make the most reasonable decision possible. And then at the end of the day, still, even going through the process that you mentioned, you'll still disappoint someone, but you at least know that you weren't bullheaded and didn't ignore information that probably shouldn't have been, uh, you know, ignored. So, yeah. And especially the side of the aisle that you don't agree with. Those are the people you need to talk to the most. Agreed. So, so you can understand their side. Um, as much as I don't like our former president, like I'm not upset with the people that voted them in. I want to speak to them. I want to understand, like, mm-hmm. you know, why do you feel that way about this policy decision? What is the reason behind it? Maybe there's some credibility there. Maybe there's not. You know what I mean? But asking yeah. the questions, I think it holds us all accountable. It makes our answers a lot sharper and better. Um, not being questioned and not asking the questions that leads to a lot of fucking problems. Yeah. And I think politically speaking, if you're looking at like the two party system that we have right now, I, you said it well earlier, where like, like you're talking about how like everybody's pretty evenly divided where it's just like, you're either like really hard left. You're really hard, right? There is no nuance to anything anymore. Everything's black or white. This side's great. That side sucks. Like it's, <laughs> you know, there's real black and white crap and reality is that's just that's just not really the case but um i don't know i try to understand both sides like you said and we wouldn't have gotten this far in our country without having differing viewpoints and i'll be the first maybe not the first to say probably not um but i definitely think it's like do i think democrats have all the answers hell no Do I think Republicans (laughs) know everything? No, I don't. But I do think each side of the political spectrum has their pros and their cons. And the tough thing is, is I think is just people trying to find that middle ground without feeling like they're just compromising their moral values. I I, I don't know. At least that's kind of where I see it because like people don't like to always say they're like a moderate because then it's like, oh, you're just neutral. You don't take a stance on anything. Um, at least that's, that's kind of how I look at it anyways. And so I think today we make it a lot harder to get people to have those open conversations. But you just hit on something really important. You just hit on something really important without intending to do so. I think, okay. uh, you said, you know, what did you say about saying that you're moderate? Like you have a problem saying that, or people have a problem hearing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's part of the problem. Like, why is that a problem? Like, yeah, you know, it shouldn't be. It's become a problem because we have to wear one jersey or the other jersey and there's no room for the yeah. middle. Like that, that's a problem. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's OK. OK, for me, for example, like, you know, I don't care how people I don't I don't mind sharing my political beliefs. Like when it comes right. to social issues like gay rights, 
mm-hmm. uh, trans rights, uh, just, you know, human kindness and understanding. I'm very left minded. Right. I'm very on the side of liberals because the Republicans are giving me no fucking other alternative when it comes right. to that. Now, when it comes to border control, I think both sides have points. Like mm-hmm. Republicans are not making it up that we have people crossing the border every day illegally. That's a reality. Like, yep. and the fact that Democrats try to act like it doesn't exist is part of the problem. Yep. So mm-hmm. uh, you're ignoring a lot of people that live on the border and have to deal with this shit in their backyard. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and that's not to say that we should lack humanity in addressing quote unquote illegal aliens. Like, you can still address those people with humanity. I don't like the way Republicans talk about them or how, you know, they're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. So if their country is being taken over by fascists or communists, of course, they're going to try to leave and take care of their kids and get to a better place. You mm-hmm. would expect nothing less from your own people. So let's talk about them with some dignity and humanity. So I think both sides suck on this conversation about border <laughs> control. Um, and then with the fiscal stuff, I think liberals can be too pie in the sky about the, the reality of fiscal, the mm-hmm. fiscal nature of the country. Like you can't, you know, not everything about capitalism is bad. Not everything about capitalism is great. There's pros mm-hmm. and cons to each financial system. So now you got to pick which one is the best of the bunch. And it might be that you had to pick the best worst case scenario. You know what I mean? Like, that might be the reality. You can't have a utopia. It doesn't fucking exist and it will never fucking exist because humans are in control. That's part of the problem. Yep. So we're flawed. <laughs> yeah, we're flawed and we all have our own motivations and we're all pulling in different directions. How do you think this is going to work? Like, you know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. there's no party for me, really. Like, when it comes to social stuff like gay rights and trans rights, I'm mm-hmm. so clearly on one side. But mm-hmm. this other stuff, you kind of, I'm kind of in the middle. I can't. Like both sides are not talking to each other and they're so far apart. Like they're not making sense anymore. You know what I mean? So an abortion is a can of worms. I don't even want to touch right now. Oh yeah. I was going to say Starship (laughs) Troopers, no, no real segue to get into that subject. But um, no, you know, I, I can say like, I, I really wish people just as a whole were more comfortable talking about politics with it becoming like a blood match, you know, just people trying to kill each other over it basically. Um, you know, I, I'm, a. I don't even know if this is going to tie in, but I'm not, I'm not try. So I listen to a lot of comedians and, and George Carlin, he's, he's one of my favorites. He's the goat for me. Same. And, I agree. um, he just has a brilliant thing where he's talking about how, like, you know, words themselves don't really mean shit. Like, it's just all about the context of it. It's all about how they're applied and used and things like that. And I don't know, I, I'm trying to tie this back into politics because even if I'm hearing something that is completely polar opposite of what I believe morally, I might not agree with the policy. I might think that it's just outright stupid. If I'm hearing a person at least take the time to, you know, really think about what it is they're saying and they're trying to like respectfully lay it out towards me, I don't have to agree with it. But I can still at least treat them with the respect that I think that they deserve and and hear them out. And whether or not it sways my opinion is kind of up to me. Like, I'm not saying like they have to try to convince me or anything like that. But I'm just big on like the golden rule. It's like I want to treat people how I want to be treated. And I know that I'm big on conversation and listening to people from all different walks of life and things like that. 
And so just with the subject of politics, I just think it's more paramount now than ever that we have to we have to allow people to be comfortable to have these conversations and not make them feel afraid or not make them feel like, oh, we're going to marginalize you or treat you like shit because you said something that, you know, is not, you know, politically correct or popular. I just I don't think we're going to really get to the meat of anything without people having that understanding of things. Uh, and, and again, that, that might be a little soapboxy right there, but hopefully I had a point. I think I did. Yeah, but. You know, going back to Verhoeven, like the fact that we're so out in left field. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think that this movie has like grown since its release and its uh, metaphors and themes. I I think it's more true now than it was when it was released. And I think that's a sign of a good movie. I actually think it's probably a movie I need to see more than once. Honestly, just because I feel like there is like like you said, there's some of those metaphors that are in there and things that you kind of have to pick up on like more than after just watching it one time, Uh, because I'll be honest too, like this, this movie, I watched it in chunks, not going to (laughs) lie. I've I've been busy lately. So like I watched it in like, I think like four different sittings, like like 20, 30 minute. I know. I know. I'm not proud of that. It's okay. uh, It's like like I had a TV show. Yeah, I had to do it, but it's not the way to go. It would have been better. I don't think you're wrong because the movie is kind of in chunks. Okay. It's sort of like this. Uh, it starts off as like a high school rom-com. It does. With are like all going to graduate and they got big hopes and dreams. <laughs> yeah. And like, he's against his dad and his dad doesn't want him to serve. And like, ah, like, you know, like, I don't know. And then you have the fucking, um, what's the Kubrick film? Uh, full metal jacket. Yeah, you the, yeah. You had the full metal jacket thing where they go off to boot camp, right? Yeah. Or training uh, for the pilot. Um, you had that aspect of the movie, and then you had the war. So I, I do think there's like three acts of this where you could just break it up and like, okay, let's watch the first half hour where it's about the high school drama. Then yeah. let's watch the <laughs> let's watch the full metal jacket part, and then let's watch the uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan part. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't think that was his intention, Verhoeven, but like that's how it feels. I actually always got reminded a little bit of Starship Troopers when I watched the the movie Edge of Tomorrow. Probably just because oh, of like their yeah. like their military getup and the fact that they're also just kind of killing giant alien bug things. Yeah, so that yeah. that one's much more serious. It's not nearly as campy. I always actually wish there was a sequel to that movie, but that movie's great. I really like it. Yeah, it's been a while. They they actually just released it recently on 4K, um, which I don't know. Like, do you collect physical media? Do you do anything I like do, that? I uh, do, but it has to be something like I'm definitely gonna watch like more than once. Yeah. So like, P.T. Anderson is my favorite current filmmaker, working filmmaker. So I have all of his stuff on Blu-ray. They don't. Correct me if I'm wrong. They don't have his in 4K, right? No, like, I have the Criterion Collection. So yeah. it's in Blu-ray. It's just in Blu-ray. Because I think even Licorice Pizza, that that only got a Blu-ray release. It didn't even get a 4K. Now, that one I don't have yet. Okay. But, uh, yeah. I still but, haven't seen that. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I haven't seen oh. Magnolia either. You're going to kill me, but I haven't I haven't seen it. It's, it's on my sh- I have it. It's on my it shelf. It holds up. It holds up. I'm sure it does. Yeah, um, like Starship Troopers. Curious final thought on on just the director of this movie is this your favorite movie by him or do you have like did you like total recall or or anything else that he's done 
I really love Benedetta, the new one. Um, I've only yeah, seen it once. I'm gonna, look, I'm gonna look up this movie. How do you spell it? Benedetta. Detta. Okay, I know Charlotte Rampling because she was in Dune. If I am not mistaken, she has a brief part in that. And let me see. I'm just looking at this movie. There's like a nun on it. Okay, very cool. I should probably look up what this movie's about first before I start talking about it. Okay, so it says the story of this movie is a 17th century nun becomes entangled in a forbidden lesbian affair. Okay, but it's her shocking religious visions that threaten to shake the church to its very core. Oh shit! <laughs> I, I'm just reading that. I'm like, that sounds that sounds heavy. Oh, it's so good. I really loved it. Um, I know it's a bit divisive. Uh, is it just because of obviously the fact that they're putting in, uh, you know, a gay relationship into the context of religion? Like, oh, I, I, I'm sure. <laughs> I I can only imagine. I mean, I'm sure, it ruffled is, some feathers. I mean, it, he's been ruffling feathers though. Ver, uh, Verhoeven has been. Uh, I mean, shit, probably since the beginning. You know, people oh, yeah. thought RoboCop was brutal. Showgirls, of course, we know all the all the shit with that. Yeah. Trying to think, I, I've never seen this movie, and it, it's recent too. There's a lot of sex in his films. There's a lot of sex, is that what you said? Yeah, from the beginning yeah. and all the way through, even now to Benedetta, like in Starship Troopers, has its own sex scene. So. Yeah, it does. Um, there's, there's a, yeah, there is actually a, a fair amount of nudity in the movie. Not that I give a shit. I, I don't really care. No, uh, it, ta- it takes a lot to really ruffle my feathers for this. But okay, quick plug for this Bendetta movie. Why should I watch it? Besides, like you just saying, it's it's really good. Oh, I think it's an incredible examination of uh, martyrdom and how it begins, and much what like that, what uh, does that mean? I'm sorry to sound dumb, but what is what is martyrdom, or is that what you said? Yeah, some someone who's gonna fall on the cross. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Is that like the... Because there's other ways of saying... I mean, I know what you're saying, but it's like uh, someone that's like like extremely devout, right? It's like yeah. they're like, you know, almost like a zealot, right? Yeah. Where like they're just like, the word is everything and they don't yeah. question anything. Well, it's about the suffering as well. Like they're addicted to the suffering of this thing for a greater cause. I've never understood that. But I also haven't done enough research to like justify talking in depth about it but that's yeah i don't know about that that's that's kind of crazy i shouldn't say crazy someone's gonna be listening to that be like that don't call them crazy uh, and i think I, it's an examination of how you know it's got a really good score on rotten tomatoes yeah how religion views sexuality and it pushes the boundaries of that obviously <laughs> is this a is that a foreign language film because it, it looks like it's it's in i uh, yes that's what yes, it's saying it if I remember right, yeah. Interesting. Oh shit, man! I'm gonna have to add this to the queue. It looks. It, it, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm now. I'm down the rabbit hole in this movie. I'm looking, <laughs> it's at, the, so good. I'm looking at some reviews for it. Um, everybody really likes this movie. Some people uh, are saying it's controversial. Ooh. I, I would say that it is. If you're a Catholic, especially. Ooh, he's always a Catholic. Should I have her watch it? Hell yeah! Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I was say I don't. We haven't really, like, I don't know if you do like this with your wife, but it's like, do, do you ever like, you know, watch a movie that like you think you, you like she'll have like a divisive opinion about or like she'll like, you know, it'll upset her or anything like that? Like, do you push the boundaries like with her or do you just let her watch like kind of like, you know, hey, just like watch whatever you want? 
so yes but probably not in the way that you mean um and what i'm saying is so i'm a huge horror fan right yeah and she is very much not okay and one of the first movies i took her to the theaters to see and knowing that she doesn't like horror movies is us jordan kills us yeah i've seen that and she had her head buried in my armpit (laughs) like half the movie (laughs) so that that was a learning lesson for me because it really wasn't worth it like she was you know she wasn't comfortable she made me uncomfortable because she wasn't comfortable yeah you just kind of learn like it's not really worth it like subjecting her to that shit but for me it was uh so i had this story as a kid where like i was really scared of heights for a long time and the way i got over it was just by getting on roller coaster after roller coaster after roller coaster until i just got numb to it okay and in my head that's just how you deal with it and another uh, man i'm going to give a lot away about myself right now <laughs> like one of the things i was scared of too when i was a kid was learning how to swim like going in the deep end of the pool okay and one time my mom pretended like her back was hurting or something. She was bent over on the side of the pool like, oh, my God, I'm in pain. What's wrong? And as soon as I touched her and was like, what's going on, mom? She threw me in the deep end. Oh, she and, tricked you. Yeah. And she goes, swim or drown. Shit. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, 11, 10, something like this. Oh, she knew that I knew how to swim, though. That's the thing. Because in the shallow end, I would swim just fine. Knowing that I could touch the bottom. It was just a mental thing that I needed to get over. And I'm not saying this is how parenting should be done. Right. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just, just, you know, I'm giving a lot of insight into who I am. Like, if I'm going to overcome something, it's going to be by exposure. So, that makes sense. Uh, in my head, everyone does it this way. So... <laughs> So with my wife, I was like, oh, you don't like horror films. It's just because you need to see more. And Mm. then you'll understand the mechanics behind horror films. You'll kind of know when the jump scares are coming. You'll feel it. Like, and it has stopped bothering you so much. But that's Mm -hmm. just not the case. Like, she's not this person, right? And it was the same. It's the same with my wife about roller coasters, by the way. She fucking hates them. And (laughs) I've I've tried to drag her onto more than one roller coaster. The last time I did it, was the final time I'll ever try to drag her on a roller coaster because she got all the way to the front. I got in, buckled the seat down. She goes, okay, bye. And like took the fuck off. <laughs> like I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Jesus, no. So it's not, you know what I mean? Like not everybody, this is just, you know. Yeah. You have to know is, how, you have to know how you're wired and that not everybody's going to be like thinking exactly. the same thought process behind it as you. Exactly. Because just like this movie, people are not one note. Like people are no. <laughs> yes, I was gonna say that's actually that, that's actually a perfect ending point to talk about this movie. Is that I do think you could watch it and be like, you know, people are definitely not that one dimensional, uh, especially like military people, because like like some movies definitely paint them out to be, but it's like hell no, they're not. Like they're complex. Like definitely they're in it, and there's all kinds of different jobs in the military that aren't involving shooting and spraying bugs in the face. Um, one thing I was going to say, uh, just on the, on the subject of, of horror movies, cause one, I, I feel like maybe you have mentioned that you're a horror fan before, but I don't know if, I don't know if I like just wasn't listening before. Cause I got to talk about a horror movie then like with you at some point. 
Yeah. Um, I just watched one recently. Not it's not a horror film. I definitely call it more suspense thriller. But have you seen the Black Phone yet with Ethan? Hawke? I haven't, but I love Ethan Hawke. Dude, it, it was good. I gotta admit, it was good. And I and I like Scott Derrickson. I, it was nice to see him reteam with him. Like I won't like go on to like a full discussion on it because I just Sinister. watched it a couple days ago. But it, it's it's worth it's worth checking out. Like I I had sweaty palms watching the movie, and that doesn't happen often. I'm definitely going to watch it this week because I've, I've had it on the, the list for a while and I need to watch it. You're the second person to tell me to watch it. Okay. Well, it's, it's pretty good. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe if you watch it, we could talk about that, but that's, that's not, that's not like true horror though. It's not, it's like a, you know, it's like a kidnapping suspense kind of thriller thing. Yeah. Thriller, so, yeah. What do you think of like horror? Like, what do you, uh, what do you actually find scary? Do you find anything scary? And, uh, psychological stuff. It's not like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's not the physical stuff. It's the psychological, mm-hmm. like mental side of it. Um, I think horror films say more about humans than any other genre of film. Because what we fear, like we can relate to each other by what we fear. Even mm-hmm. if you don't fear that thing, you can relate to it in some way. So I just say, I, I think, you know, when we finally cease to exist and aliens find all these movies like sitting on shelves, like they just... <laughs> If they watch horror films, they're going to learn a lot about human beings, like what we were fucking scared of. Like, and it could be anything. It could be spiders. It could be alien invasion, which, haha, fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or it, it could be like we thought that apparitions were a thing and like they would like open doors on their own or like we were worried about shit like this. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I think it says more than like countless rom coms. I need to watch more because horror films just as a whole, they're, they're interesting in that like there is kind of like a, a subset of movie people like they really gravitate behind them as a genre. And I'd say more so than like other genres, like you don't see the same kind of following for like, like you said, like rom-coms or, you know, certain dramas, uh, independent films like horror movies really have their own audience. Um And I feel like I've watched a lot of horror movies, but not as much as I think. Like I've, I've seen like the like the popular ones, but I haven't watched like some of like the really messed up ones, especially foreign films. Like there's some really like creepy oh. foreign films I've heard about. Like some I saw the, the devil. I foreign. heard that's a that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen like uh, it's, it's not a horror movie. I was about to say Old Boy for some reason, but that's not really horror. That's just like creepy, especially at the end of it. Is that is that your cat? Scenes. Is that a cat? That is my cat. I'm so sorry. Give me no, one second. Co- no, it's cool. Okay. All right, Bruce is going to get his cat. I think might make an introduction on this podcast. Let's see. Let's see. We've come back. Sorry. See, about I, th- that. I I thought you were gonna bring back the cat. No, no, no. He was he was <laughs> wanting to get out of the room. That was the issue. Uh. Okay, man. You got any other thoughts on Starship Troopers? Um. I mean, what's your rating overall? Mm, that's a good question. You can shit on it if you want. I'm cool with it. No, because dude, like I. I I didn't not like the movie. It's it's campy as shit. Oh, and yeah. and yeah. and there's some obviously very satirical sides to it. And sometimes satire works for me, sometimes it doesn't. I think because I'm already a fan of the filmmaker and I still like that he has a point of view, like that helps for the movie not just being like mindless shooting of monsters. Like I still felt like it was trying to say something again, like especially with like the military propaganda pieces. I think I like that aspect of the movie probably the most. Um, but is it going to be a movie that I'm going to go back to and watch a thousand times? Probably not. 
So let's see. Out of the scale of like one to ten, I'll just do that because everybody does this a little bit differently. It's like a it's like a six point eight to a seven point two. I'll put it somewhere in that ballpark. I think I'm there with you. I think like I'm right, right about right about there. I know that's like kind of a cop out because I'm not giving like like a firm, but it's like it's it's right. It's not it's not average. But it's not like it's like not like wow like that's amazing either. No, but I appreciate yeah, it. I think giving it an eight would be too mm-hmm. high, right? So like I don't think anything so. like seven to seven point five. Okay. I think and I think because of the themes and the stuff that still holds up really well. And uh, I mean, I'm, the, we're talking about this movie twenty years after the fact, so that's usually a good sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the fact that it kind of like without intending to do so, sort of imagine a world post 9-11 true so i just think that that like but the other aspects of it too like i don't think all the acting is all that great like i agree mm-hmm. with you but they're they're put there to serve a purpose and they serve their purpose like it's it, you're not going to give an oscar out for any of these performances um i don't think you're going to give an oscar out for like this i don't remember the score to be honest with you it doesn't stick in my head at all no yeah usually like if like yeah if the score is really good it's almost like a character in the movie like you remember it that much but no i I can't think of it off the top for this one what i will say is the sort of world building really works well Mm -hmm. i think i you know where we are like you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like it doesn't feel like uh it doesn't feel like it's referencing other films like oh they did it this way let's just kind of do what they did it doesn't feel that way to me oh yeah it's own thing yeah, I do appreciate it for that. I mean, any, any science fiction movie that can differentiate itself from its own, and like you said, like you feel like there's some lore behind the things, that definitely helps. And you feel like there's a history, like with how long the humans have been fighting the bugs uh, and everything like that. But oh, speaking yeah. of which, I do have something. Hey, yes. what do you think? I don't know enough about the book. I don't know if the book is set in Buenos Aires. But like, mm-hmm. what did you think about the whitewashing, <laughs> the whitewashing of Argentina, modern day, like, <laughs> Buenos Aires? Uh, well, it, it's, uh, it's certainly not uh, culturally appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, for sure. I was, I was thinking about my wife and I was like, what if this was in Sao Paulo, which isn't too far down the road? Nope. And it was like all these Americans like walking around, like owning the city, gentrifying the shit out of it. Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those things where, like, like when they're going like casting for it, they're just like, we can't find enough culturally diverse people, but we got a lot of white people sitting around, so like we can, <laughs> we'll just have to make do. Maybe it wasn't done out of racist intentions. I don't but, know. But that's that's the question, though. Like, was their intent? Yeah. Did Verhoeven have intent? Like, or was it just what you just said, like convenience? But I just see. found it interesting that. They set the film in Buenos Aires and like there's no representation. I'm like literally typing this in right now. I put whitewashing Starship Troopers uh, Buenos Aires just just to see if anybody's talking about this. (laughs) 20 Uh, years later, 25 years later. I mean, okay. well, I just found a blog from 2012 just it's just titled erasing the brown whitewashing of latino characters in film and it does look like starship troopers is cited in this blog not that that means anything it's like i don't know if this is prominent but it it uh, probably should be pointed out yeah they're talking about it on there 
Uh, let me see if there's anything else that talks about this. They're just talking about oh, the anti-fascism of Starship Troopers. I'm seeing that. Because uh, yeah, that's what you were talking about. How it's like saying like fascism is bad and we really don't want to get closer to that becoming a reality. So Starship Troopers definitely nailed that message. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the last one I'll cite is seven. We got 17 notorious cases of Hollywood whitewashing in photos. Oh, man. Some of these photos are bad. Uh, let me see if that's some of the good ones there. My, of course, they cited one of my favorites, which is John Wayne as Genghis Khan. I mean, that's that's <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> uh, Mickey Rooney as Mister yeah. Yanushi Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty pretty doable. That one, that one always. Gets oh, actually, up. I always kind of forget about this one, but Alec Guinness in Lawrence of Arabia because he is definitely True. not Arab. Uh, that's for sure. Well, um, he's not supposed to be, right? Well, they're saying that. He's I supposed honestly, to be playing I, in this article. It's it's been a minute since I've said it. It's saying that he plays a real life leader in the Arab revolt against the Ottoman Empire. Okay, so apparently, <laughs> this is this is according to the rap. So I'll cite my sources. But I, I stand corrected then. Uh, I I also forgot about Jake Gyllenhaal in the Prince of Persia movie. I mean, he's yeah. you know that's Prince of it's Persia. Uh, Al Pacino, Scarface, Johnny Depp, Lone Ranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one's just saying the entire cast of Exodus Gods and Kings, the Ridley Scott movie. <laughs> That's fair, because even I remember like when like Joel Eg- uh, Edgerton, whatever, like when I saw the trailer for that and he's like the Pharaoh, I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's interesting. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, oh, and then, uh, yep. And then they're saying actually the offender in this article is Casper Van Dien as Johnny Rico. That's what they're saying. He's not the only one. They all have Latino names. He's, yeah, because he's supposed to be Filipino. Yeah. What? Okay, that's what it's saying. <laughs> yeah, because it's... Uh, yeah, so it says, while oh. Johnny Rico was Filipino and named Juan in the military sci-fi novel, it says Verhoeven deliberately made Rico and the entire main cast white as part of his effort to turn that novel into a brutal satire of fascism, propaganda, and the way xenophobia is used to fuel poor... Pro war patriotism. Okay, so he did have intent. Okay. I mean, according to this article, it's not from him, but yeah, yeah, that's it's, true. It's from that's someone true. watching the movie and thinking it. To be fair, I don't mm-hmm. think if that was part of his point, I don't think he did that any service because I don't think we hit on that enough. Because no, honestly, Buenos Aires in the movie could be anywhere. It could be fucking New York City for all I know. Like I, I have no idea. Like, There's the nothing only- that really sets it as. As no, the only yeah. reason we know is because they say it like, oh, back home in Buenos Aires, they just got bombed. Remember that part? So it's like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm even like, I'm kind of like looking at images like from the movie in that scene. And yeah, I mean, even like architecturally speaking, there's nothing really that stands out. That's like, that's that. But then I feel the argument that the filmmaker could cop out behind is, well, it's the future. It's we don't future, know what Buenos yeah. Aires looks like. Like if you did the future, like if you did future Manhattan, it would look different as well. So like but at the same time, I don't think he gives any lip service to you know, not even lip service to gentrification at all. I could be yeah. wrong. I don't know. This is interesting. Hmm. I'm gonna have to read up on this more later. Uh, but Bruce, I don't have anything else to say on Starship Troopers. I mean, I, I hope we covered it as much as you wanted to. 
I feel like I got to watch it a little bit more and not in 20 minute chunks over a week. <laughs> that I hate I hate doing that for movies. Like I got to I, I got to just complain about that for a second. I hate it because it's not a TV show. It's not designed to be paused. And it's I could go not. and I could go on a big soapbox about this sir and I and I won't on this podcast cuz I don't want to come off as like as like an angry man, but well, did you see like, what James Cameron said recently? What did he say recently? He was like, I don't care if you stop my movie, meaning the Avatar movie. Uh, yeah, I did see his comment on that. Yeah. yeah. So if James Cameron thinks it's okay to pause your movie, then. <laughs> and that's <laughs> the thing, man. Like, I love James Cameron. I do. Who but... am I to argue? <laughs> I don't I, I don't agree with his opinion. On, on yeah. that, just because filmmaking as a medium, it's designed to be sat through in one experience. Uh, I think nothing's worse for me than if I'm at a movie theater watching something I've never seen and I got to take a piss like 30 minutes in. That's the worst. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like, because like, I, I know like there's some scenes in the movie that are inconsequential, but it's like. But there shouldn't be. No, they're like every everything should be intentional. You know, the counterpoint to James Cameron saying it's OK <laughs> if you go and take a piss during my movies like. Okay, then how about you edit that motherfucker down to where it's not three and a half hours? If you personally feel like some things can be missed, then cut it out. Yeah, because like, then I don't have to take a piss. Yeah, yeah I, that, it's that circular just, reasoning. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. And and my biggest thing behind it is like, like, okay, think about this. And I know you've been there when you're watching a movie. Yeah. Think of the times where like you've seen a movie where like something super emotional just happened to a character that you've been following for an hour right and i don't know let's say they're dying and okay like like for instance perfect scene you talked about saving private ryan earlier remember so you know when giovanni uh, giovanni rabisi like he gets it and he starts like crying mama and they're like giving him morphine i'm not trying to joke about it it's a super sad moment in the movie but that'd be like me like pausing it like, like midway, like as I'm feeling the height of this emotion and just being like, ah, I got to go take a shit and go cook some popcorn. I'll, I'll come, I'll pop this back on in like, like 20 minutes. Yeah. And all the momentum, all the, gone. all the momentum's gone. Yeah, yeah, it's all yeah. gone. Yeah. And then you I, view the movie very differently. Yeah. No, it's not meant to be viewed that way. And I'm shit. Shit. I'm sorry. I might come off bad. Hold it. Yeah. I mean, if a movie's good enough, I'll hold it. I'll hold That's it. I'll break true. my I'll break my damn bladder if the movie's That's good true. enough. <laughs> That's true. I, I know I'm not everybody though. I, I I love movies, so I'm willing to to put through the you know go through the pain. But yeah, just don't pause it. Don't listen to James Cameron. <laughs> I love well, also, James Cameron, but also he needs to listen to himself. Like that circular reasoning of just like, oh yeah, I can make a three and a half hour movie, and you can pause and go take a piss. Like okay, well. If the scene is inconsequential, then take it out. And then we don't have to sit through three and a half hours, like, and yeah. hold our fucking bladder. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, I agree. So. I'll be really curious. I'll, well, we have to wrap this up here, but I'll be really curious um, how this new one does. Honestly. I mean, I really will. So if he's taking the fascistic view of a <clears throat> filmmaker and not, and has a bunch of yes men that won't tell him to edit out a three and a half hour movie, then, you know. Not to be all star. Personal made a lot of money, Bruce. Not to be all starship troopers about it, but maybe you know he needs some more questioning around the the room, the table. I I think it's interesting that I know that he filmed two and three back to back, and I know like those are pretty much in the can. I 
feel like he's worked on four a little bit, but I don't really know. And I know he has plans for the fifth one, but I don't honestly know right now. Like my, I, I I'm a little skeptical if he'll be able to actually complete that grand master plan of having like five avatar movies. I Maybe. right now I can't see it, but it's like, if it's really compelling, because that's the thing with James Cameron is it's like the, the guys defied expectations before. I mean, he, he's got a track record. Like I remember when Titanic was being made, everybody thought that thing was going to bomb. Like, everybody can I, can did. I, can I yes. own up, own up and say that I'm not a huge fan of any of his movies. You're just not. No, not really. I think it's a lot of spectacle. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, uh, he, he is a spectacle filmmaker for sure. I mean, he has big set pieces. But there's no substance. Movies. There's no substance in my opinion. Like uh, Titanic, there's nothing there for me to cling on to. Um, your, your heart does not go on. It does not. And, <laughs> and Avatar, like, it's, it's a retelling of... Well, like the, what, was it like the Fern Gully thing? Pocahontas, like, like all, Pocahontas. all that? It's a retelling of stories we've already gotten. Which is, I mean, that's one way to do spectacle is just to retell a story and name it something different. Right. I, I don't know. It's just not working for me, man. Like, do you really want to revisit the world of Avatar? Like, I don't I really do. I do. I do, man. I'm a big fan. <laughs> uh, okay. This is I, th- <clears throat> I think for myself, though, and like, I might have a different lens on it than some people do because I, I love filmmaking so much and I love the craft behind it and the imagination. I think when it comes to Avatar, that's kind of more what I get behind. It's like, I see there's definitely simplistic story beats, and I'm not going to pretend that James Cameron is some Shakespearean screenwriter. Like, no, not really. Some of his dialogue can just be flat out bad. I know Clunky, clunky. But I do always appreciate that he's pushing the envelope with his technology. I appreciate that there's so much thought behind the creatures and like the, the world itself kind of going back to that world building, like everything has thought behind it. And I like that. So Mm -hmm. I think sometimes I get a little bit blinded by that because I, I do just like that sort of a spectacle where I'm like, wow, like look at all this beautiful artwork that's on display and things like that. So yes, it's for me, it's definitely more in like the, the vision aspect. Oh, like I'm going to have like a, a, you know, it's like, this is going to be like a, what do you call it? Candy for my eyeballs. Like, I agree with you. Like I've seen, it might not satisfy me on a deep core. It might not, but damn it. I could use that as a reference disc on my 4k TV and be like, Holy shit. Look how good that looks. Yeah. Like I agree with you. Like I've watched all of his movies. I went to the theater to see the ones that I could while I was like, I mean, some of his stuff, obviously I'm not old enough to have seen in the theater, but like, yeah, they're definitely like worth going to watch once, but I just mm-hmm. never revisit them. I have no interest in revisiting. That's re- hey, respect, respect, yeah. man. Um, I I try to think because uh, I've watched Titanic. I know it's getting a 4K release. Same with Avatar, which I've been waiting for that one for a while. I can't believe it didn't happen sooner. Um, but I'm trying to think like what's it's like a James Cameron movie I haven't seen in a long time is True Lies. It's been a long time yeah, since I've seen that. A, I would say it's been 25 years since I've seen that, if not longer. Hmm. Well, we'll have we'll only time will tell to see what happens. Uh, I doubt he's going to change your mind with the second one. It's like if he didn't get on really board not. with that first one, it's probably just going to be more of the same. I mean, I guess there's like human. He has like an adopted son that he raises like a blue person. 
if, if that does anything for you. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Anyways, um, I appreciate you coming on here, Bruce. Really do. Yeah. Thank uh, you. I hope you, hope you enjoy the time talking about Starship Troopers. I, I, I definitely think the next time that we uh, that we have you on, uh, we'll have to talk about a horror movie, maybe even the Black Phone, because maybe. I need I need to talk about that movie with somebody. I'll watch it this week. What is I'm gonna rapid fire question you quick? What's your favorite horror movie if you had to say? And I Shining. hate the and I, the shine. Yeah, I've talked about it on my podcast once before. It's it's a uh, it's a ways back in the podcast. You can go back yeah. and listen to it. But fantastic movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right, sir. I will let you go, but I appreciate it once again. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll catch you all on the next episode. All right, man. Peace out. See you, Bruce. Later. Bye-bye.